The future of work and the future for workers is changing. From new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies, and winning talent solutions. Hi, and welcome to our fourth episode of the Transform talent podcast we are finally reaching the end of 2020 we couldn't be happier what a year and if you are listening to this episode in january already happy new year we all deserve a wonderful 2021 hopefully so for this very special holiday broadcast, we are bringing you such an important topic. When we heard about it from our colleagues at Manpower Group Netherlands, we had no doubts that we had to host an episode on this. We are talking today about how we can help job seekers who have recovered from cancer find the perfect job. And that's not something we talk about very often, not at all, actually. And we are talking about this because... While more and more people are winning the fight against cancer, they are still having a really hard time keeping their jobs and finding new work altogether. This is where Opus comes in. Opus is a social enterprise founded by Isabelle Leboqui, who wants organizations to ensure equal opportunities and focus on talent, not on candidates' illness history. Together with Opus, a network of large companies, including Manpower Group and Johnson & Johnson, who joins us today too, launched the Talent Connector, and we want to hear all about it. So today, our very first panel on this podcast, we are joined by Isabelle Leboqui, founder of Opus, Laurence Mass, who's the lead patient engagement and advocacy for Janssen, part of Johnson & Johnson. She's also the chairman of the business network of Opus. And Jeffrey Van Meerkerk, director of strategic relations, sustainability and CSR at Manpower Group, and also on the advisory board of Opus on behalf of Manpower Group. So welcome all on the podcast. And let's start with you, Isabel, already. So what is Opus exactly and how did you come up with the idea? Oh, um, I'm a cancer survivor. And as you said before, I'm speaking for a growing group. And despite all the progress made in medical innovation, we still see a lot of burdens for cancer patients and cancer survivors. Two in three patients live with or after cancer. And I believe that we still focus too much on disease and not on the life after cancer. So in 2011, I got cancer and I lost my job during cancer. I couldn't understand how this was possible and then decided to tackle this. So I decided to set up Opus and I decided to see how can I tackle the problem that exists in the life and work after cancer. I couldn't understand it. And as I said, couldn't find any numbers. And as they say, no numbers, no problem. So I decided to set up an online survey and I was amazed to see that 1,000 respondents replied in two and a half months in 13,600 paragraphs. And what did I see was that one in four patients lose their job 
during or after cancer. We were really shocked. So I went to the parliament and I showed them what I saw. And with Laurence, who is also here in this podcast, together with a member of the parliament, we started to write a motion. And this is, in fact, how everything started. So we set up a plan of action for cancer and work. And we now even managed to get the right to be forgotten for cancer patients after 10 years. So cancer survivors will be able to get an insurance after cancer. What is Opus? Opus is no longer Opus. Opus is Opus and the Opus Business Network. It's an ecosystem. And in fact, it's an ecosystem of 12 corporate employers. And they help me in realizing the dreams I have in job retention and return to work. And in the beginning, I tried to do it myself. But I see now that in digitalizing the solutions I have been dreaming of, because it was a dream, by digitalizing these solutions, we see now that we really create impact. So we have now developed a solution for return to work. And we will start with a serious game in job retention. But that's for our next question. I've seen those uh, ads, uh, very, very powerful ads with a powerful message where you have, there's a picture of you, where you have a sticky note on your forehead that says that you are an ex-cancer patient. And I really would love to hear more about it, how it came about, and if you're also planning on sharing it out to drive the message, really. Well, in fact, what happened is, is when I got cancer, what I discovered is there was not a lot about cancer survivorship. And I was really shocked. And I would like to invite everybody who is listening to this podcast, Google cancer survivor, and then click on images. You will see a lot of bold people with scarves. And when I see these images, I really think I am having a sticker on my forehead for life. I will be that cancer patient for life. So in fact, what I wanted to do with that ad, it was my first ad that I ever did, was to show what it means to have a stigma. And I believe that we have to start to think differently about cancer and that people have to take away the post-it of our foreheads and to take away that stigma. That's the message, in fact. That's an incredibly powerful message. It's a great way to start this conversation. I wanted to ask um, Jeffy and Laurence, you know, how did Manpower Group and Johnson & Johnson get involved with Opus? Isabel briefly mentioned how it happened, but I'm curious to learn about more details. Well, actually, I already knew Isabel quite some time. We met when I was still working at the Dutch Cancer Federation. At that point, she was already tackling the issue of people losing their job. So when I moved to Johnson & Johnson, we just kept in touch. And at that point, she was setting up a, a business network, a company network with large companies. And Isabel said, I mean, small companies, they can't invest in people with cancer because it's a high risk, but large companies, they can. So I took that message to my board. I discussed it with them and I said, you know, we're an innovative company, but we also have a responsibility. And let's, let's take that on. So I, I, I noticed there was a huge commitment from my company. And uh, so we took it from there and enjoyed the company network. No, that sounds, and you know, just it's challenging to share knowledge uh, and expertise on such sensitive topic, but it's, uh, it's very important. Yes. So in fact, what uh, corporate employers do is they sign a covenant and that covenant covers 
important. First of all, the companies promise that they will be an example on the job market. They don't look at the disease, but at the talent. And they promise, they speak out the intention that they will do their utmost in job retention. So their employees who get ill, they will do their utmost in keeping them in their jobs. And they do their utmost in not discriminating when hiring new people. So job retention and return to work. That's what the covenant is about. Exactly. And this is exactly also the reason why when we were brought in contact, Isabel, uh, by uh, Annemiek Robeek, who is one of the leading business ladies in, in the Netherlands. She is a part of the advisory boards of many international companies. And she said to you that if you would like to make the bridge to employment, the bridge to work, you need to get in contact with Manpower Group. And so we had our first meeting and we discussed the importance of getting the new prospect on work. We as Manpower Group act from our purpose. We want to connect people with the dignity of work. And when it comes to this topic, eh, that we want to help people who survived cancer or face cancer and want to keep the job in the organization, well, uh, of course, Manpower Group is one of the organizations that really wants to play a role in this. And we have addressed this, or I had addressed this uh, with our board as well. Our previous CEO directly was very enthusiastic and he called out that we as Manpower Group really want to make a difference as well. Connecting people to work is our core activity. And from that sense, we want to strive towards more inclusivity, more diversity in the workplace. And we really want to make sure that people who have had to deal with terrible situation of fighting and well, life-threatening illness, that they get the support they need to return back to work. And in combination with companies like Johnson & Johnson, Philips, the Bond Holding, Axo Nobel, uh, ABN Amro Bank, Deloitte Consulting, of course, we managed to get the right spirit in place. What Laurent said, uh, of course, it's about innovation, eh, but also about social innovation. How do we connect? How do we make sure that we get people from A to B who otherwise would maybe never have an opportunity again because of this stigma? And together, we believed that we can be strong and we proved to be strong together. Each company from their own competencies, uh, expertise, and also contribution to the business network. And I think maybe just to add one last thing, it's also about setting an example to other companies uh, and inspiring other companies that this is a way you can look at sustainable employability. So, and what the employers do, in fact, also by signing the covenant is they do not only sign a paper, like a patient said not long ago to me, they also do things. So, they give people in kind, they give them time to work in this business network to realize this digital solution. So, people from these companies work with OPIS in realizing these solutions. It's not only signing a paper, it's really doing. They walk the talk. And that's, that's the most important part is actually making a difference, right? So as we are talking about cancer patients, it's more and more people are living after cancer. And that's this, this group of people is growing rapidly due to the medical developments. And it's also thanks to these medical developments that these people are able to return to their previous lives as normal as it was before. So why is it challenging to find a job after cancer? And do you see this a problem affecting the younger generation as well? Well, in fact, what we and I talked already about the stigma is before when I would have had my cancer in the 80s, my survival rate was much lower. But what we have now is one in three people 
have a chronical form of cancer and one in three people cure. And it's incredible. We can say that two, two in three people live after cancer. And it's a growing group, not only of, because of medical innovation, but also because of early screening and better screening. So yes, you see more and more young people. You see a lot of women because of breast cancer. It's a big group. And yes, in the Netherlands, it's a specific problem because of social legislation, because an employer has to pay you two years, has to pay 70% of a salary of a sick employee the first two years when he gets ill. So in the Netherlands, employers see this as a risk. And in other countries, because I'm now part of an patient advocacy working group for ESMO, the European Society of Oncologists, where I am representing cancer survivorship. It's my subject. In fact, what you see is you see that in every country because of the way society and employers look at patients and survivors. So there is still an enormous stigma, an enormous fear. People are scared about the word cancer. So even in countries where social legislation is less discriminatory, It is still an incredible challenge to keep people in their job and to get a job after cancer. So it's not only a Dutch problem, it's a problem everywhere. And it's because of the fact that cancer changed, it becomes more and more a chronic illness or an illness of which you uh, cure. And that's a step society still has to make in how do we look at cancer. And of course, change starts with language So there's a life after cancer. And I think that's the message we should try to get out. There's a life after cancer. And in that life after cancer, there is also a job. And that's a normal job with normal insurances and everything. So, yeah. And, you know, when we're talking about jobs, I also know that you've recently launched a Talent Connector. And it's bringing job seekers uh, who have recovered from cancer in contact with recruiters from employers who have indicated that they are open to this group of applicants. So if you could tell us a bit more about Talent Connector and how does it work, that would be really great. I will explain what was my dream about this. And then I will ask Laurence and Jeffrey to also explain, because they were in the work group and in the steering group, in the, how, how we developed it. In fact, my dream was, uh, can we f develop a sort of matching app where we survivors can get in touch with the recruiters, dedicated recruiters of the employers of the business network. So I had a sort of idea, can't we do something which is where you swipe, where we have so many companies that you swipe on it and you can look. So I would invite every company who, who listens to us, join us. We have now developed a digital platform for work and cancer. We have developed the Talent Connector that is a digital tool for the return to work. We are going to develop a serious game, one for the employees and one of the employers in job retention. But in fact, I would say join us in creating impact. So my dream was a very easy way to make the impossible possible and to create jobs for unemployed cancer survivors. But while well, I would like to ask Jeffrey and, and Laurence, we developed this together. So could you also explain a bit why you did it and how you did it? Because we did that with a big group of people. 20, 30 people have helped in developing this. And don't forget Deloitte and the Deloitte Impact Foundation. They have given us 
enormously time in, in developing the tool. Yes, and maybe I can indeed uh, uh, tell something, Isabel, why this is such an important tool. Because on the one hand, when we as an employer, we have people who have cancer, we can do a lot to support them. But it's a lot harder to hire new people who have a background with cancer because they often have gaps in their resume. And, and it's not just a feeling. They probably are often discriminated when they try to find jobs. So by signing the covenant, we said, we're not going to discriminate, but we also have a responsibility to lower the hurdles people experience. So with this uh, talent connector, people can get in touch with recruiters of all the companies that have joined the company network directly. They can upload their resume and they can see, and it's not like we're creating jobs for them, but we're trying to match their resume with existing uh, jobs we have, job offers. But we know that these people have a background in cancer. And as I said, we said we are not going to discriminate. So we're trying to give them just the extra push uh, to apply for uh, the jobs we have. Yes, and maybe to add to that, because what Laurent says is absolutely true. The companies that joined the business network all committed to uh, being open for job applicants that have a um, background uh, which cancer is part of. But we also helped the dedicated recruiters that support the talent connector on the back end with how they should treat, of course, people that have a background in cancer. So we have educated them on uh, what questions to ask and what questions to maybe not ask or how to make it more easy for uh, applicants to, to share their story in a natural way that people feel at least welcomed when they apply for a position at each of the companies part of the business network. But the nice thing about the talent connector is dedicated recruiter and of course me too. We get a sort of message that says, this is a talent connector contact. And then we know already that they have contacted us through the talent connector. And what the nice thing is, what I hear now from the unemployed cancer survivors, they say, this is great. And I even had a girl who was crying on the phone because she said, I don't have to talk about my cancer anymore. I can now have a very normal job interview. And that is, in fact, what we also wanted to do. So we inform the recruiters. They know this is a cancer survivor and they never have to, have to talk about anymore about cancer. It's tackled. They just have the interview. We look at their talents and not at their disease, in fact. Yeah. yeah. And so with, with this talent connector, so in addition to matching with an employer, job seekers also have access to a number of tools and e-learnings modules to really help them to develop, to apply better as well. And I know those uh, modules were developed from employment agencies like Manpower Group, patient organizations like uh, Johnson & Johnson, and it's really to help the candidates. So I would love to hear more from both Jeffrey and uh, Laurence what kind of content there is to really help with the development of these candidates as well. What I saw at Manpower is I saw they had a lot of e-learning in how to set up a resume, how to make a plan of action, how to make a video interview, how to make a LinkedIn profile. So I contacted Jeffrey and I asked him, would you be okay to give us for free on the platform so that we can put it on it, on the platform for free e-learnings in how to set up a LinkedIn profile? How should I prepare myself for a video interview? What is my digital 
knowledge? What is my personality? And so we get also assessments. And Jeffrey organized, and I will let you add information about it. But I asked Jeffrey, would you be willing to share that? And they did. And this is what we, in fact, did. Other patients' associations also gave information and everything is free. So patients or survivors do not pay for any tool that is on the platform. Uh, what can I say more, uh, Isabel? <laughs> you, you highlighted very strongly, but exactly, this is what we did. And of course, Manpower Group supports people get into new employment opportunities. That's our core activity. So uh, the supporting tools that we have developed from a traditional process point of view, we made ready to be integrated in the Talent Connector tool. So indeed, we help the cancer survivors with developing a good LinkedIn profile, with how they should approach future employers, what interview techniques can be used, how to learn more about the strengths that they now have and when beating the disease of cancer, etc., etc. Manpower Group, of course, invested a lot in the MyPath and the StudyTube initiatives, e-learnings, etc. And we have made links to, to that environment as well. So that is our in-kind support that we give to the Opus Business Network and the Talent Connector. What personally I think is very, very powerful, and Laurence can speak uh, much more about this, the support Johnson & Johnson gave to this uh, initiative in creating the personas. The more the details behind it, leveraging the research, the knowledge that they as a company have had uh, in, in developing also this talent connected to. And I think that's actually the strength of, of the business network that we have so many different companies with different assets they have, they can all bring into this uh, because we all said, let's tackle this together. So uh, we bring in network, we bring in background knowledge, uh, expertise, and we all join this together in this initiative. And that makes that it's really, uh, when we started from scratch now, it's actually really this uh, giant ice ball, <laughs> as they say, that's rolling and, and going really fast. And I think that's very beautiful to see that the people that are in this business network from the different companies, they're also all personally very motivated to make this work together. So if our listeners would like to get involved, how they can do that? I would say, you know, if, if any company who listens, and I mean, of course, at this point, the business network is situated in the Netherlands. So especially companies in, in the Netherlands, they can reach out to Isabel. They can go to the Talent Connector. I think all the contact details are there. But I know, Isabel, you also have a dream of expanding to other countries. So I don't think you want to limit it to, to companies in the Netherlands. In fact, I've been contacted by Slovenia, by Europa Dona, and they asked me, how could we do that? And in fact, what I said to them is, being a patient association, get your data, prove what you hear, make sure that you have big data research. That's also what we have initiated from the out of the business network. So not only digital solutions, but also three scientific big data researchers. So get the data. Set up an ecosystem. This was uh, Annemiek Robeek who inspired me to set up a business network. We always talk about sharing economy and ecosystem, but this is really the result of an ecosystem. We don't think about competition. Everybody is equal and we think about impact. And in fact, I would like to invite everybody is walk the talk. If you think about CSR, look for initiatives where you really can make a difference and try to see 
copy, copy what we do, contact us. If we cannot come to your country, contact us and ask us, how did you do it? So get your data, set up an ecosystem, find the partners, look at our talent connector, look who are the companies who are on the talent connector. Maybe they are willing to uh, maybe Manpower, Johnson & Johnson, Deloitte, Philips, maybe they are willing to create the same in your country. And in fact, that is my dream. My dream is it's about impact. It's about not looking at the disease, but looking at the talent. It's about changing the way society looks at cancer and taking away the stigma. Look at the talent, don't look at the disease. So you're talking about society and companies, but uh, you also briefly mentioned at the beginning that you did some work um, at the political level. So I'm just curious to learn more about it. I was a bit amazed that in this digital era where you see data everywhere, that there is still so much to be done in survivorship. So as I said, I lost my job. I lost it via texto on my phone. And uh, It's shocking. It's shocking when you don't even know if you're going to survive, that you lose your job, that you have to think about how am I going to do it financially. When I discovered that you could lose your job, I talked already before about the survey I did and how amazed I was to get 1,000 respondents in thousands of pages of information and that I saw that one in four lost their job during or after cancer. Well, I decided to tackle it and I had already contact with one member of the parliament. I contacted her, I showed her the papers and she said, yeah, we have to tackle this. But it's not only a Dutch subject, it's um, a subject that I've been putting on the governmental agendas and on the political agendas in Europe There is a life after cancer. And at this moment, that life is not always normal. We can't get insurances. Group loses their job because of cancer. There is a lot of pauperization. There is a lot of long-term unemployment. And that's why, in fact, I started to lobby because I wanted to be an example. I wanted to show them that there is a life after cancer. Look at me. I'm here, but I deserve a normal life. And I was lucky to find a member of the Dutch parliament who endorsed it. And then little by little, we went on and brought it to the European uh, level. And what now, if you ask me now my, my dream, what is my dream is to get the right to be forgotten everywhere in Europe, to get equal access to drugs in Europe. So everybody gets the same chances to get the same treatments everywhere in Europe, the same medical care in Europe, And at a certain stage that we all are at the same level in treatment and in survivorship. Yeah, and like you say, it's a global issue. So it's even crazy thinking about it that when you are uh, having to fight for your life, you even need to fight for your job. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, you cannot really survive without a paid work, right? So it really makes you think and it's, it's really empowering and uh, wonderful to hear what you have been doing. It's very encouraging. So I would love to hear what's on the roadmap. Where are you planning to expand and what, what are your priorities as well? I always say in what I do, it's not about me, it's about us. And I don't do this alone. I do this with great people like Laurence and Jeffrey. I can't do this alone. What is on the roadmap is, in fact, what I develop is the tools I would have loved to have when I got cancer. 
And the solutions I'm trying to find is are the solutions I would love to have for myself too. So what is on the roadmap now is, as I said, politically, to have a right to be forgotten everywhere in Europe. Equal treatment, maybe Laurence can say a bit more about that later on. And especially next year, what we are going to develop is a serious game in job retention, one for the employees and one for the employers. And then to build out the platform for working cancer and to be an example for employers, for a society, but also for other countries. I heard from Laurence that in Belgium, they are now starting to look what we are doing and they are starting to uh, develop the same kind of solutions. So to inspire people and to inspire employers and to inspire other countries and other continents, just copy what we do. And I think we can't forget that. I mean, it's not... Something, if you look at at the change in cancer and how many people survive and live with cancer or after cancer, I mean, we need to find solutions for those people to continue to participate, to continue to have a meaningful life. And this is here to stay. So we have to make sure as a society, as companies uh, together, that we find solutions for people after cancer to continue to work, to live, uh, and to have good lives. And normal lives. Normal. normal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you would ask me personally, uh, Roberta, looking at the collaboration we have uh, amongst each other, so these great companies that, well, share uh, knowledge, share technology, share insights, all based on shared values, actually, and that we want to create meaningful employment for people who really, really deserve a better future. I see a lot of great opportunities also for the companies to connect uh, even more strategically, invest together to really uh, live the purpose, eh? to Mm -hmm. to really make sure that we create a brighter future for all by joining forces. And I think that's a great outlook for all of us. It would make me really proud if if other forward-looking companies and also government agencies like UWV, for example, in the Netherlands, would really take also the responsibility to support the initiative in going to the next phase. And so just to conclude, if a question to both uh, Laurence and uh, Jeffrey, if you were, if you could give a piece of advice to organizations, what would that be? (laughs) That's a hard one. I think it, it, it all starts with the right intentions as a company because there's no, no one-size-fits-all solution for this. But if your intentions are right, then you have to find a way, how can we make this work for our company, our business, what works for us? No, exactly. You are so right. Uh, it's about the right intentions, but it's also about what you and your company can bring, uh, which is connected to your core business activities. So you need to also do it from... I believe your business capabilities, bring them in, uh, make sure that you share them with the wider group, that you don't look at competition, but look at uh, joint success. I think that's that's very important uh, for, for all companies that would like to join, big or small, publicly traded or publicly. And what I also would like to stress is cancer made us stronger. And I believe that especially in this time we are now, that cancer survivors can be of a great added value because we know how to deal with crisis, how to stay calm in challenging times. And I think that's really one of our talents in what is happening at this moment. So uh, I would say what I like in what is 
now happening and in the business network and in the empowerment and the support of the business network that I get is they walk the talk. They don't set up a congress to talk about cancer and work. They do it. They help me and we do it together in developing solutions for job retention and return to work. So walk the talk. If you want to walk the talk, if you talk about CSR, this is the place to walk the talk. Absolutely. And just a final thought to to conclude. And actually, it's a, a quote from you, Jeffrey, that I read in an article, which I found it really, really, really inspiring. And it links to what Isabel, you just said, that those are people for whom giving up was and is not an option. So on top of the normal qualifications, they bring something extra, and that's adaptability and perseverance. And we need so much of that right now. It just makes you think. And uh, it's uh, a wonderful conversation. I hope that all our listeners, you know, really also think differently about this. And just to conclude on a happy note, and if, if you've listened the other episodes, you know what's coming. Since we are three of us, I will just ask you to answer this quickly. The first thing that comes to mind in just a few seconds, if you were stuck on an island and you could only bring three things with you, what would these things be? Isabel, first. <laughs> I would like uh, Jeffrey to answer first so that I have oh, a, well, we more have time, to time to think. To think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, of course, uh, I would like to bring my partner. Uh, that's one. I would like to bring my TV because I love TV, especially after doing a long day of work. And I would like to bring a nice bottle of gin tonic. That's nice. <laughs> oh, that's inspiring, Jeffrey. I was already thinking, <laughs> not on a TV, but definitely my iPhone. And of course, if I, if I could take my loved ones with me, I would definitely do so. But as you said, things, I thought, you know, let's... <laughs> Let's focus on, on the tangible things. <laughs> so uh, definitely something nice to drink and maybe some good books to enjoy and relax on the islands. <laughs> I think I would take two or three things. I would take my cat and then I would take a big boat so that we go you back. survival. Go back. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of gasoline so that we don't have uh, a shortage of energies to get where we have to get back. <laughs> you know you know that this is the first time that someone said boat? And you're absolutely right. If you, if you can bring a boat, you get out of there. <laughs> no one has ever thought about that. <laughs> this is the perseverance, uh, Roberta. Yes, exactly. Which, you which see? I referred to in the article. Uh, you see, directly. I needed, I needed some time to think, how can I get out of this island? <laughs> this was my survival spirit. That's perfect. That's the best answer we've had so far. That's really, and I'm going to steal that if someone asks that to me. <laughs> well, so, yes. well, Thank you all so much. It's been really, really great. And I'd like to thank you also everyone who's tuning in. If you would like to know more about Opus, we are going to add all of the links in the description of the podcast, as well as Isabel's contact details so you can reach out. And don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us and have a wonderful holidays. A Merry Christmas to those who celebrate and a wonderful Happy New Year as we get into 2021 finally. So thank you all so much. Thank you very much. Bye. 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 
the Transform Talent podcast because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish. Talent Solutions, business and talent aligned.